Welcome to College Hockey Southwest Weekly, brought to you by Sprint, the best phones on the best network, a brighter future for all. College Bar and Grill, check out our new location, 740 South Mill Avenue in Tempe, behind the mask, serving the Valley hockey community since 1994. OxyPow, our chemical-free line of cleaning products, gets the funk out of your equipment or office. M-Drive, for energy, stamina, recovery. Ice Den Scottsdale, practice home of the Arizona Coyotes, also in Chandler. College Hockey Southwest Weekly is part of the IcetimeHockeySW.com network. Here are your hosts, Scott Strandy and Paul Hornstein. All right, welcome in hockey fans in the desert southwest. Uh, cloudy skies, a chance of some monsoon storms. Life is good in Arizona, as we say. If we could just get rid of this little thing called COVID-19, we'd be in great shape. But Scott Strandy here in Scottsdale, my co-host, as always, from that beautiful palatial estate on Long Island, New York, Paul Hornstein joins me. Uh, my friend, how are you? Did you get away from the beach house? You still got a little uh, sand in between the toes and all that good stuff? Well, I've just, you know, got to make sure I get my rent to you on time. <laughs> as I well, that, you know, that beach house is of, you know. <laughs> so how are you? Uh, we're doing okay. You know, it's uh, another day and another uh, day of craziness. And <laughs> well, why does we get this one day to closer us? to hockey? Right? I mean, <laughs> even if it's not college hockey, we still get another day closer. Yeah, absolutely. But why does this happen to us? On Tuesday night, we have College Hockey Southwest Weekly, as you know. Right. And and Wednesday, some sort of news breaks. <laughs> and we got to wait a whole week to talk about it. But um, it's going to be a fun show tonight. we got a very special guest from uh, my home state uh, and my university. Uh, Jess Myers from the uh, Rink Live is going to join us here in a little bit. Um, now, wait, you so heard that, folks, to... right? No, you heard that, right? He said, my university. He has so much money, he owns a university. So just remember that the next time he gives you this palatial estate garbage. All right, all right. Team number 62, Paul. There's uh, 62 teams in NCAA Division One hockey. Your thoughts on that first and foremost? Uh, awesome. I mean, um, this is something that's kind of been rumored for a while. We just didn't really know how the NCAA was going to handle this. Um, the University of St. Thomas, I guess that's the proper way to say it. Um, uh, we'll play their well, final We're going to find out in a minute or two when we bring Jess on. He'll let us know for sure. Well, uh, listen, I'm, I'm looking at the website. That's what it says, the official home of the University of St. Thomas. So I'm going to assume that's the right way to say it. Uh, they'll spend their last year as a Division Three program in all of their sports. Uh, it, it, whatever the 2021 season ends up being, whatever, you know, your guess is as good as mine. And then for the 21-22 season, they're going to be moving up to Division One in all their sports. They pretty much have conference affiliation already in most of their sports, uh, hockey to be determined. Uh, at least men's hockey anyway. The women's program, I think, is going to be WCHA. So um, anything that brings out more Division One hockey, I'm all for it. So, you know, yeah, you're I mean, sit there and tell me uh, Team 62, let's go. I'm, I'm, I'm tired hearing about Team 63, 64, and 65 <laughs> that are going to announce any day now and have been saying that for three years. But let's go. Bring it on. You, you know. 
You know what else you're tired of is going from 60 to 61 and back to 60. And <laughs> I don't have to worry about that anymore now, do I? No, no. Let's get our 62 to 65 teams and let's just uh, continue to build on that instead of keep going up and back and forth. But that's that's for another show. Um, yeah. It, last night on our professional show, we were able to bring on a professional Sun Devil again. Uh, right. Tyler Bush joined us after uh, signing his ECHL contract with uh, the Cincinnati Cyclones and. And what a trooper he is, man. He drove from uh, Arizona back up to Lloydminster, uh, Alberta, uh, in a couple of days, and then jumped on the podcast last night for about a half an hour. So big shout-out to uh, Tyler Bush for joining us because that was uh, a lot of fun uh, talking hockey with him and his future and just discussing all the things that happened during the pandemic and how he was able to survive and not only survive but persevere. So. A big shout-out to him. As we talked also in professional hockey, we are one day closer. You brought that up at the start. We're one day closer to NHL hockey. We've got a lot going on on that. We're going to have uh, nine straight days of podcast. I call them the mini-podcast, Paul, because they're only half an hour. But we're uh, we're going to talk oh. NHL hockey. <laughs> I know. Well, it'll yeah, be now i got to start paying attention now. Now I have to start paying attention. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, take that little TV with you on your phone. And when you're laying out at the beach, just go ahead and turn it on, watch a little hockey. Well, at that point, I might do that. I, at least I can do that now. I don't. Uh, I might have to lo- load another app or three thousand. I don't know, but uh, we'll we'll try to but figure it out. The convenience factor is nice, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Well. Yeah. It's awesome. Uh, listen, I, I'm not going to lie. Uh, the, the idea of watching hockey, as weird as it'll be, uh, in an empty building. Uh, from basically noon until midnight, that's fantasy stuff. I'm in. Yep, absolutely. I think we have, Jess, so uh, let's uh, let's take a quick break and I'm back in about two minutes and uh, bring on our special guest, Jess Myers, from The Rink Live in Minnesota. At the heart of any good cocktail is the quality of the spirit used. And if you want to make the best margaritas, Long Island iced teas, or if you just want a straight shot of the best taste in tequila, then Roger Klein's Mexican Moonshine is the brand for you. The award-winning Roger Klein's Mexican Moonshine has the taste you want to make perfectly blended cocktails, whether celebrating an overtime game winner with friends or relaxing by the pool after a long work day. Find your bottle, be it in Arizona or elsewhere in the U.S., Visit us at MexicanMoonshine.com. Roger Klein's Mexican Moonshine, award-winning taste since 2011. Looking for your next car? Head out to 2401 West Bell Road in Phoenix and stop in at Bell Ford, the Arizona Ford Giant. Come in and check out our great deals on the remaining 2020 Fords, as well as the new 2021 models just arriving, like the new E450 pickup truck during our summer outdoor and SUV sale. Voted the number one Ford dealer in Arizona by Ranking Arizona, we will do what it takes to make your car buying experience safe and convenient. Shop online at bellford.com. We'll bring everything to you on your schedule. Schedule a test drive. Need a repair? We'll come pick up your vehicle and bring it back to you. Our sales and service professionals are ready to help in any way to make sure you are happy and satisfied. Go online to bellford.com or call us at 602-866-1776 and let us show you why we've been the dealership 
that keeps Shane Doan coming back year after year. Hey, Michael here from M-Drive. One of my favorite memories is mountain biking with my dad. Barreling through the woods at full speed, bike tires bouncing off rocks. That was 25 years ago. What's crazy is today, at 60, dad still does that. You know, he really made M-Drive for himself. He wanted an everyday supplement that would fuel his drive. Yes, M-Drive supports healthy testosterone, but it's so much more. He built M-Drive to support the body, building strength and energy from the inside out. We take M-Drive every day to fuel our drive with more energy and more strength. I think it's amazing what dad built and amazing what he can still do today. In a lot of ways, he's still the guy from 25 years ago, and he's not slowing down. Listen, we'd love for you to try M-Drive too. It's available at Walgreens, Walmart, GNC, Vitamin Shop, or visit mdriveformen.com and we'll give you 20% off your first purchase. Just use the code DRIVE at checkout. Don't let your age beat you. Please find your prime with M-Drive. Ask any hockey player in the desert southwest, and they'll all tell you the same thing. We love going to the rink and sandals. Now you can show off your game in style with summer skates. Officially licensed summer skates are comfortable, washable, and can be designed to show off your fandom. Bill Kessel, your guy? Big William Carlson fan? Or is Austin Matthews the man? Have your summer skates designed to show off your favorite NHL player, or shout out your own game with your own number. Team discounts and customization available, too, for groups of 12 or more. Thirsty after getting off the ice, our new koozies are perfect for keeping that cold one cold in the desert heat. Comfortable and durable, show up to the rink in style. An authorized retailer of summer skates, you can purchase yours through our website at icetimehockeysw.com. Behind the Mask Hockey Shop, celebrating 25 years of exceptional service to the Arizona hockey community. Offering the top brands and an educated staff of hockey players to help you choose the right gear for you. Visit any one of our three Valley locations or check us out online at BehindTheMask.com. All right, we're back. College Hockey Southwest Weekly. Scott Strandy joining you from Scottsdale, Arizona. And uh, my co-host, as always, loitering around on that palatial estate, wandering his way back to his headset and his microphone, Paul Hornstein joining me from Long Island. All right, uh, we got a great guest on. I hope you're ready to go when we uh, we bring Jess on. We can bring him in and uh, and uh, just start firing away questions about Minnesota. Your thoughts well, on that, Paul? Listen, um, it's it is a uh, it's no question. It's one of the hubs of the sport here in the, in the U.S. Uh, when you look back at the uh, moment that really changed hockey in this country. About two-thirds of those players were Minnesota-born uh, in Lake Placid. Uh, most of them were Gophers. Some of them were Bulldogs. Uh, you know, out and, and a few guys from Boston. And, you know, it's always been the hub, uh, even way, way, way back, uh, you know, at the beginning of the sport at the college level. So, um you know, I have had some disagreements, shall we say, um, with some folks uh, over the wonderful thing we call the Internet. And, uh, you know, as uh, sometimes they're pro ASU, sometimes they are not. Uh, and I think that's a simple way of putting it without getting too deep into it. Uh, I'm sure that uh, 
Uh, Jess would probably have a better feel for that than I do. I know you guys talk on a regular basis. Uh, and we all know that when ASU went up to play at Minnesota a couple of years ago, it was not their best weekend. Absolutely. Well, I think we've got Jess online. So without further ado, let's bring on our special guest, Jess Myers from uh, the Rink Live up in Minnesota. Uh, a good world uh, warrior as well. So Jess, Scott and Paul with you. Nice to have you on. Great to be here. How are you doing, guys? We're doing good. I missed you this winter in Arizona. I know your dad's down here, and I know you try to get down, but but I missed you this year, and, you know, lo and behold, am, COVID uh, hits in March, and we don't even get to see each other at the uh, Frozen Four. I know. I Like you say, I'm the descendant of uh, of snowbirds, so I, I do get to Arizona <laughs> on, uh, on a pretty regular basis in the winter. I was down there in December this year. I usually drive my dad down from Minnesota. We we take a couple days in the car, and we take him to, to his place where he spends his winters. Uh, two years ago, I, I got lucky because Colorado College was in town to play the Sun Devils, so I got to see uh, Oceanside, and I got to see a game there, and and uh, man, if there's a better press box van- vantage point in all of college hockey than, than Oceanside, there is where you're sitting literally right above the bench and can hear absolutely everything going on. And uh, you know, if Greg Powers is listening, Greg got uh, language. That's all I'm going to say. But uh, you know, what a what a unique college hockey experience, starting with. Uh, being about December 10th and walking in and there are guys, you know, in shorts playing bags in the uh, in the parking lot. You don't get a lot of that in northern Minnesota where I'm from in, in December. Now you don't get too much of it here on Long Island either, so don't worry about that. <laughs> Probably not, no. <laughs> no. Well, Jess, I'm glad you were able to experience that because I experience that every uh, every home game and every Tuesday for, for media availability. But uh, Sun Devil Hockey is, uh, is definitely on the rise. Uh, the recruiting's been good. The teams have been good. Uh, the new arena is on the horizon, knock on wood, uh, that that breaks ground this fall, and uh, they get it done in about a year and a half, two years from now. Um so all those good things, but but I want to talk about team number sixty-two in NCAA hockey because Paul and I joked uh, before you came on that uh, every Tuesday night we have a show. Every Wednesday news breaks, whether it's Huntsville or LIU or or now St. Thomas. But tell us a little bit about St. Thomas University and uh, or the University of St. Thomas. Which one is correct? It, it is the <laughs> University of St. Thomas. Now I found this out last week. Do not call them UST. They don't want to be called that. They, they are University of St. Thomas on first res- reference and St. Thomas on second reference. So I used to always just call them UST, but they don't want to be called that anymore. And, you know, speaking of expansion in college hockey, you know, uh, Paul's out there on Long Island. Yeah. Here's what i got to say. When COVID hit, when the Frozen Four got canceled, all that crappy stuff we had to deal with, you know, the yeah. immediate thought is what's going to happen to college hockey? What's going to happen to college sports in general? And are right. we going to lose college hockey programs as a result? You know, if you're the University of Minnesota or one of the Big Ten schools or one of the NCHC schools, you make a lot of money off college hockey. But let's face it, it's not a moneymaker everywhere. So the fear no. was, are we going to lose college hockey programs as a result? Well, as everyone expected, we've gained two since then. You know, <laughs> it's we're, crazy, we're right? I mean, <laughs> it, it's, it's absolutely crazy. And uh, <laughs> trying to do a little bit of, of – preparing for 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 the interview this week and and having you on the show i kind of wrote some of those things on uh, the blog that uh, i like to put up on the website once in a while just to sure. kind of uh throw other ideas out and that was kind of one of the things that i said we're plus two how does that happen yeah. 
Yeah. And I mean, <laughs> and, and St. Thomas is one. St. Thomas is, is a team that people have talked about for years because um, right. we, we knew they were getting kicked out of their Division Three conference. We knew they were going to have to make some kind of move. Obviously, they're here in the Twin Cities, which is a hockey hotbed. There's a ton of talent right. here. You know, uh, Herb Brooks contended 35 years ago when he went to St. Cloud State and started the program there. His contention was Minnesota has more good hockey players than it has opportunities for them. Let's give them more opportunities. He gave us a third Division One program. This will be the sixth Division One program in the state. So it has right. grown exponentially just in, in 35 years. So we knew about that one. Long Island was a surprise to, I think, just about everybody. When we got that, <laughs> when we got that press release, it was like, huh? And, and you know, talking to Brett Riley, there is some real excitement on Long Island for college hockey, and it's, you know, it's fantastic. I mean, you, you think of all the great players that have come out of Long Island. You think of four Stanley Cups back when I was a kid. I mean, it, oh, it's yeah. a true hockey hotbed. So this is, this is a fun development, a fun time, despite all the weirdness with COVID and everything going on. Uh, there's been some real excitement about hockey this summer. Yeah, it's 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 been really weird because when when the COVID hit and Scott and I say this every week, what are we going to talk about next week? And there just doesn't seem to be uh, a week that goes by where we don't have something to talk about. Uh, obviously, with the website being based in the Phoenix area, we try to concentrate on ASU, but that doesn't mean we don't talk about the rest of college hockey. And there has just been plenty and plenty of news and. I am looking forward to whenever they uh, start at LIU. Uh, if I go back to the building I work in, because if Scott hasn't told you, I'm a school teacher for a, for a real job. And, um, <laughs> um, and the building I work in is about 20 minutes from where LIU will play its, its games. Because the women's team last year split between uh, the rink uh, in Syosset, where the Islanders practice sometimes, and their big practice facility, uh, the Northwell Health Center, uh, and when they won their conference championship, actually, last year in their first season. So that's about 20 minutes away from the building I work in. The Islanders' new arena is about 10 minutes from the building I work in. And so I'm looking forward to it. Uh, give me a reason, actually, to get up early in the morning at 4.30 and go to work. So... All right, so 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 Jess, are you, are you up at the cabin? Or are you uh, back down in, uh, in the I, Twin Cities area? I am not at the cabin. I'm in suburban St. Paul, where I live. Uh, I <laughs> I am, I will say, uh, heading up to uh, Lake of the Woods this weekend. Good word, willing. So uh, you know that that's what we do in the summer in Minnesota. We go to the cabin. Um, and and Scott, do without you rent him this cabin too. <laughs> no, no, that's that's his own Paul. All right. <laughs> With, without uh, uh, without youth sports this summer, I will say we've spent more time at the cabin this summer than probably ever before because there are no you know soccer tournaments or anything like that to distract us uh, from from anything else going on. So so, so that's been one maybe little uh, advantage of COVID. Well, the the big question on Facebook is how are your hands doing after that weekend chore you did? Oh up there? my goodness! Oh my goodness! Wow. <laughs> Let, let, let me just give a little, you know, you didn't know there was going to be a home improvement uh, tip section tonight on the podcast. And, and I like to think it's the first time. Uh, but it if it gets you yeah, a sponsor with, with Home Depot or something like that, I'm, I'm here to help, obviously. Um, Clearly. You know, that, you know that insulation that comes in like a spray can, like in an aerosol can, and you, you know, spray yeah. it into cracks and stuff? Uh, you know, we deal with like bees up here. You probably have like scorpions and stuff like that down where you <laughs> right. are. Um, 
let's just say if you're going to use that stuff, put on a pair of gloves. That's my <laughs> that's my best advice because that stuff never ever voluntarily comes off human skin, and I found this out the hard way. Uh, that's the only way to find out. I mean, <laughs> well, I, I gave you my two cents where I said, look on the bright side. At least you don't have to shake hands with anybody because of COVID, right? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Before we get back into college hockey, I want you to tell Paul about a little rivalry that happens in high school hockey um, oh, between Warlord and Rosa. Give him a little fill in about what that's like. Cause I remember back in the uh, oh, late seventies when I used to see your dad covering the, the, uh, the, the Warriors for, for Warroad. Um, tell them about that rivalry because I don't think he gets it. So you've got two small towns, and they're both right. factory towns. My right. hometown of Warroad, which is Hockey Town, USA. Uh, you know, Detroit, I don't know what that's all about. You know, you got to stop that <laughs> crap because nobody's buying it. Um, so Warroad is known as Hockey Town, USA. has been for, for 60 or 70 years. Um, it produced a lot of Olympians, a lot of Olympic gold medal winners. Great, great town. Only about 1,500 people, so, so a very small town. And the neighboring town, 22 miles to the west, is, is called Rozo. That's the home of the Broughton brothers and, you know, a, a, a very good hockey town in its own right. Um, Rozo is the big city by comparison. They have about 2,800 in Rozo. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I tell people this is an absolutely true story. When I was a kid, there were two towns you could take your driver's test in. Rosa was one of the towns, and then the other neighboring town was Bidette. You could take your town, you could take your test in either place. Well, you always wanted to take your test in Bidette because, and this is absolutely true, Bidette didn't have a stoplight. Rosa did, nice. so it was a tough, it was a much tougher test if you took it in Rosa. So anyway, civically, these two te- towns are rivals because you know one has the county seat and the county fair, and the other one has Lake of the Woods where everybody comes and and does all their recreation summer and winter. And then on the ice, and not just on the ice, but in all sports, really, um, there is nothing like it when Warroad plays Rosa. I mean, you've got, you know, two towns with a combined population of, what, about 5,000 people? And if they had a 10,000-seat arena, I swear they could fill it on some nights when those two teams play. Because it's just, it's it's what everybody lives for. It's the game that everybody gets up for. You know, uh, 50 years later, people can tell you the details of, you know, who took a bad penalty in the third period and, and you know, they scored on the on the power play and, and you know, cost them a game or whatever. I mean, that's it's just that intense and just, just one of the truly great sports rivalries out there. So tell me if I kind of get the feel for it um, where people might get a, a different understanding of it or a, or a more relatable understanding. Of it. Uh, basically, it's Friday Night Lights for high school hockey. Absolutely. Absolutely like that. Yeah. Uh, you know, in, in when I was a kid, I remember the the old rink in my hometown. All, all, it was all bleachers, obviously. You know, no no individual seats. People would co- get off work. They'd, they'd take their lunch break at noon from the, the Marvin, which is a window factory based in town, where, right. where the major employer, great, great family-run company. They make a great product. People would take their lunch break. They would go down to the rink and set out a blanket to, to essentially reserve three seats or four seats or whatever they needed for that night. Then they'd come back that night, you know, pay their money and go, oh, that's my blanket. Okay, well, then I've got my seats reserved for tonight. It was that intense uh, and just just a, a really, really fun thing to grow up in the middle of. And and I will say this, you know, when you're a kid and you're, and you're a teenager and, and the stuff that matters to you as a teenager, 
there was a real almost hatred of these guys. I mean, there was nothing you wanted more than to beat these guys. And, and you know, you grow up and you become friends with them and you can joke about the rivalry. And, you know, I have a few high school friends that, that married people from Roseau and moved over there. And I always say, you know, well, you're dead to me. I, I can't talk to you anymore after that. <laughs> I totally know, understand. We, 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 we kind of joke about those, those kind of things. But, uh, yeah, just, just a great, great thing to grow up in the middle of. And, uh, you know, a lot, of, a lot of great hockey players from both towns over the years. Uh, you know, just, just a really, really fun, fun element of life in northern Minnesota. So what game, since you've obviously been to tons of them, if I tell you to pick one game that stands out to you, for whatever the reason might be, which one would it be? Oh, easy. Absolutely easy. In Minnesota high school okay. hockey, there's a rule that if one team has a has a six-goal lead in the third period, they play running time, okay? My senior year of high school, the last ever game we were going to play in Roseau, in their building, third period starts and we're ahead 6 nothing, and the clock is running in their building on, I think it was their senior night as well, and it was like, you talk about rubbing salt in the wounds. And then, of course... <laughs> Rozo got a goal in the third. The final was six to one, uh, you know, and, 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 but that, you know, so that was our, our last ever game against one, but that, that to me always stands out. And I tell you the ones too, that stands out almost as bad as, is, you know, like when Warroad had a much better team one year and Rozo got a late goal to tie. And I was like, Oh, how can we tie those guys? Come on. You know, <laughs> stuff like that. I got to go even this year, even this year in Rozo, Fantastic hockey game. Now, this is a true story, Scott. Believe it or not, I am at the Breslin Center at Michigan State. Minnesota is playing Michigan State in basketball. It's a Thursday night, and I'm out there with Gopher Hockey because they play Friday, Saturday night. Well, it's Thursday night. I'll get a credential. I'll go write a basketball story. I am sitting courtside at the Breslin Center with, you know, 16,000 people or whatever they have, all wearing green. And on my laptop, I've got the Warroad Rozo hockey game up. Yes. I've, got, I've got a yes. big time college basketball game going on, literally three feet from me. And I'm watching the third period of, of Warroad Rozo hockey. And this was a game. Warroad was ahead four to one in the third period in Rozo's building. Rozo came back and won it. I think it was five to four was the final. I mean, just you talk about an intense rivalry. What a great comeback by Rozo, you know. So. You're, you really appreciate just, uh, you know, what these two teams put into hockey, uh, how much the sport means in these places, and, and just the, the pride in both communities they have, you know, in their region and in one another. Jess, you know, speaking of pride, I know you had a chance to go back uh, with the Stanley Cup a few years ago with T.J. Oshie and, uh, and MC the event, correct? I, I did, yeah. That was I, I, I tell you, one of, one of the great honors of my life, I got a call and and they said, oh, TJ Oshie's bringing the Stanley Cup to war on this day. Would you come up there and, and be the MC? And I'm like, if I had to walk there, I would, I would come up there. It's, <laughs> it's, it's 375 miles from my house. And I said, you know, put me on a Greyhound bus. I don't care. I, 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 and it was funny. I was, I was working. This is before I was, I was doing the full-time sports writing thing. I was working as a lobbyist, actually. I went into my boss and I said, I just got asked to be the MC for the Stanley Cup presentation in Warroad. I'm going to be gone that day. He said, are you asking for the day off? I said, no, I'm telling you, I'm going to be gone that day. If you're, if you're going to fire me, that's fine, but I will not be here that day. Uh, listen, hopefully you have to do it again one day very soon as uh, Brock Nelson brings a Stanley Cup uh, up to uh, Ward. So uh, I, I'll look forward to that. You can send pictures. 
tell you, you, you talk about a guy with some great hockey stories. Talking to Brock Nelson in the last few oh, years, as, as the Islanders have gone through this saga with their home, home rink, you know, of, of where they're going to play and what's going to be their permanent home and all that, Brock Nelson told me the first year that they were playing in Brooklyn, the team didn't necessarily supply transportation for players. Oh, gee, I know. And they said, ah, here we go. They said best, best, best way for the players to get to the arena on game day was to take the Long Island Railroad because most of them live yes. a little farther out on the island. So he says, here's us in our suits and ties heading to the game on a game night on the Long Island Railroad, and it's not like we have a private car. He says, we're on there with, you know, 4,000 drunk Islander fans who are also heading to the game, you know, and you're, you're trying to, you know, concentrate and get your game pace on it. And you've got, you know, Jimmy from Uniondale sidling up to you going, Hey, why don't you pass the puck on the power play more? You know, stuff like that. It's like, wow, that sounds like a, a, a real fun atmosphere. And now they do supply transportation for the players. At least you didn't say it was Paul from Long Island because that could happen. No, 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 it can't happen because to be yeah. honest with you, I've only gone to Brooklyn once, and it's not a matter of I don't want to. I don't want to be that long on the road. To be honest, even even yeah. taking the Long Island Railroad from where I am, that's a haul. Okay, Jess, a couple of things I want to I want to throw in there. When you mention the size of Rozo and Warroad, and you say it's about by the way, 5, Scott, 000. sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you there yeah. for a second. Go ahead. But you realize we're going to be on for more than an hour, right? Yeah, right. I just want to make sure you understand that. Uh, so anyway, maybe Jess, put on a pot of coffee. This one's going late. <laughs> when you mentioned that we have five thousand people together, I was just going to throw in a little COVID uh, fact from Arizona. We call that right now our daily COVID cases five thousand. Oh my goodness. <laughs> It, it, in all seriousness, yeah. In, in all seriousness, I mean, you know, God bless everybody down in Arizona. We're we're thinking about you, and and you know, one of the great fears that we have up in this part of the world is right now in Minnesota and in the northern tier states, everybody's outside right now. I'm sitting outside on my on my patio. You know, um, one fear is in the southern United States. Now is the time of year when everybody is kind of inside because of air conditioning and all that. And it's easier, I think, for for something like this to spread. So one concern up here is that come November and December, when everybody kind of moves back inside, are we going to have some kind of outbreak here? Because, again, people will be in a little bit closer proximity. But, you know, it's gotten to the point where even my father said, hey, if it's if it's like this in November and December down in Arizona, he's going to have to think twice about about doing his snowboard thing this year because he's 81 and the, you know those seem to right. be the people that this affects a, a, a little more seriously you know and he's in a, a great community uh down in kind of a small town uh, just uh, south of the phoenix area he's, he's in with a great group of people but again you worry about being in proximity when you know if one person gets yeah. exposed to this it can spread pretty quickly so so hey be careful everybody and and we're thinking of you Okay, so the other thing I want to mention before Paul jumps in and steals you again for for about fifteen minutes is <laughs> we were we were joking about Oceanside and the fact that that ASU is getting a rink and and we've been talking about uh, you know what would happen down here and the growth and and two things that came to mind I thought hey Jess is now having to deal with uh, arena issues right because I had to deal with that for the last five years down here when are we getting a new rink when are we getting a building when are we getting a bigger building all of that stuff. And now that's kind of the, the rumblings with uh, the University of St. Thomas too, right? Absolutely. You know, I, I wrote about this last week. The, the the women's team at St. Thomas is in great shape. They've got a conference to play in in the women's WCHA, and they've got an arena that is the right size for a women's Division One program. St. Thomas Ice Arena, where they play now, 
has permanent seating for about 900. And then they said with the standing room, they can go to about 1100. For a women's program, that about meets your demand, I think. I think that's going to be good for them. I did point out, if the men play there, it would be the third smallest arena currently in Division One after Oceanside, uh, where, where you're very familiar with. And Alaska Anchorage is now playing on campus rink that's got about 750 seats. So I think it's pretty obvious that St. Thomas is going to need to do something uh, facility-wise. Talking to their athletic director, Phil Eston, last week, and it was a, you know, a happy press conference. They were excited. They're going to Division One. He said, as of right now, we don't really need to do anything. We can play at St. Thomas Ice Arena in the short term. And then he said, you know, if we get a game against the Gophers or if we get a game against North Dakota, a game that's going to be a big draw, they would probably look at moving that game to a bigger venue. And I'm thinking even a place like XL Energy Center, which is where the Minnesota Wild play, is only about five miles from their campus. And they could do something where maybe they shut off the upper deck and make it about a, you know, seven, 8,000 seat facility with the lower bowl only. And they could have a nice crowd for that. So it sounds like that's the plan for now. But I think in the long term, they are going to need to build a 3,000 seat, maybe a 4,000 seat facility somewhere on or near their campus that is going to be more size appropriate for Division One hockey. Don't you just have to do that for the revenue standpoint of, of things now that you're competing at the Division One level? Uh, I would think so, because you you don't have the premium seating, you don't have suites, you don't have those things which are huge revenue drivers, as you all know, in, in college athletics. So um, if I were to look at my crystal ball five years down the road, they're going to find some place where they can put a, a facility probably shared by hockey and basketball or something like that. Do they have the space on campus? That's tough. That I'll, I'll, I'll say it right out. That's tough because they're right in the middle of a neighborhood in St. Paul. Now, I don't know if you look at, you know, tearing down a parking ramp and, and putting something on a limited space or what you do, but, uh, but that's, that will be the big question is where they can build. I will say this too, the other potential option, and they actually have played hockey there in the past, the Minnesota State Fairgrounds is only about three or four miles from their campus. They have a 5,200-seat building, the State Fair Coliseum, which used to be pretty commonly used as a hockey facility for schools like St. Thomas and Hamlin University, some of the the smaller schools in St. Paul. Uh, They haven't had ice in there since 2014. So you would need to invest some money. You'd need to put in an ice plant, and you would probably want to do some things like some premium seating, some suites, some things like that that are going to be revenue drivers. But that's an option as well if they look around their neighborhood and say, you know what, there's just not space to build here. There are other solutions here uh, in the Twin Cities that, that I think they could make work. When this all went down, uh, you obviously uh, are there and, and, and deal. What was the, was it really a kind of a hold your breath thing between the alumni and the boosters, the athletic program themselves? Were they confident that this was going to be allowed by the NCAA? Because I don't remember, or, and I didn't see it mentioned anywhere, the last time that this happened. Well, this is what's interesting. They're going from Division Three to Division One now. Under normal NCAA guidelines, under the the bylaws that they have set out, and and I don't know if you guys knew this, but the NCAA tends to be a little bit rules heavy. Anyway, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> under normal, yeah, exactly. Under normal guidelines, this is a twelve year process. I mean, you have to do it in steps. You have to apply here. You have to do all these different things. 
They were asking for a waiver to essentially do it in, in the span of about two years, and the NCAA granted that waiver. Now, again, I think most people figured this was going to happen one way or another, and, and here's how I know that there was a confidence that it was going to get done. Uh, Jennifer Flowers, who's the commissioner of the women's WCHA, when I called her last week to congratulate her on adding a team and interview her about what St. Thomas would bring to their league, which is now an 18 league again, she said, we actually voted back in April as a membership and, and approved admitting St. Thomas back in April, you know, several months ago, before they were even a division one program, they already had it on the books that we're going to add them to our conference. And she said the best part was we were able to keep it quiet. Nobody, nobody <laughs> leaked the fact that we had approved this. But, it, it, you know, so the fact that, for example, on the day it was announced that St. Thomas had become a Division I program in all sports, that's not the first press release I got. The first press release I got was from the women's WCHA saying St. Thomas has been admitted as a member. So that's how sure they were. That's how confident they were that this was going to get done. Well, let me ask a, a related question to that because you mentioned it earlier. Uh, and I don't think people really know the story. Uh, how much of the fact that they were granted this waiver was based on the fact that their conference uh, kicked them out? Yes. Um, that, that, was a, that, that was a lot of it. You know, and there, there was a famous football game, I want to say, three, four, five years ago. St. Thomas, which is based in St. Paul, played St. Olaf, which is in Northfield, Minnesota, just, just south of the Twin Cities. Final score was something like 80, 80 to, to 7 or something like that. Just, a, just an incredibly lopsided score. And that was kind of the moment that set the wheels in motion that the other folks in the Minnesota Intercollegiate Athletic Conference, the MIAC they call it, started to look around and say, hey, why are we trying to compete against this program that number one is in the Twin Cities so it can draw you know, a lot more kids just in its own neighborhood? Number two, St. Thomas's enrollment is, I want to say, in the 15,000 range, which is probably double or more what anybody else in the MIAC has in their school. They have a lot more money. They have better facilities. You know, so the talk started to become, hey, they've outgrown the MIAC. We should, we should kind of urge them to move on. And yeah, they were essentially kicked out for being too good. Now, funny story, but the talk has already started. The Pioneer Football League, where they're going to play starting uh, about a year from now, which is a, an interesting football conference. It's got teams all over the country. I mean, from Stetson in Florida <laughs> to the University of San Diego to now St. Thomas. And it's, it's just a hodgepodge of football teams from all over the country. There's already been talk that is St. Thomas going to be too good for the Pioneer Football League? So, you know, it's, it's amazing to see the way this is all going to shake out. But I will say again, for the women's WCHA, this is a dream come true because, number one, it gets them back to eight teams. They had eight right. teams previously. In 2017, North Dakota dropped its program, and we could do a whole show on that. But, uh, yeah, but, yeah, they didn't go down there quietly, did it? Right. In a, in a move that, that nobody expected, and I don't think many people supported, North Dakota decided to drop women's hockey. That puts you at seven teams which is tough for scheduling because that means with an odd number every week, somebody has got a bye week essentially. And, and that's not an easy thing for teams to do. So, you know, they're delighted number one to have, to have eight teams again. They're delighted to have another team in Minnesota and another team in the twin cities. You know, you think of maybe an instant rivalry between the Gophers and the Tommies 
on the ice in, in women's hockey. And, uh, you know, it, it just seems to be a win-win for everybody. Talking to the other coaches in the women's WCHA, they all said, you know, this is a great development. They're going to be a good team. They're going to be competitive right away. Uh, it's an easy trip. There's plenty of places to stay around there. So, uh, yeah, this is, a, this is a good moment. The question comes in, where, are the, where is the men's team going to play? What conference are they going to get into? And I think the CCHA is the one that makes the most sense <laughs> right now. Uh, yeah. Um, just, just let me jump in on this one because this is where I wanted to go with you on we, this. Is uh, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm getting kind of an evil laugh. I don't know what that means. Yeah. Well. <laughs> um, well, it, mostly it just right. because. Listen. Hold my, on a minute. Hold on a minute. No, let me for the, you get the evil laugh. Let me explain to him why he's getting it. Okay. Um, this is. We go this through is, this every week, Jess. It's yeah, nothing yeah. new. <laughs> this is simply the fact that, um, to me, those seven teams decided, eh, we can't get them to leave, so we'll just leave and screw the other three schools. So I have I, my own. I will not argue. I will not argue that point. I, I will absolutely not argue that point. It's, it was. Uh, it was a, a, a move that is good for seven schools and really bad for three schools. And listen, we're, this college hockey doesn't have that many teams. I, I understand it's a business, and I don't, don't want to uh, misrepresent that here. Uh, it's, it's kind of easy for me to say uh, as an ASU alum because the, this, you know, they are not wondering where their resources are coming from, and I get that. But um, – one of the things I enjoy the most about college hockey is that the smaller schools can compete with the larger schools for the most part. And, 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 and I hate to see that start to get destroyed. I know that a lot of people have that feeling. It's not just me, but to me, that's, that really kind of twists my gut a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. A absolutely. Okay. Fair. So so, Jess, what I wanted to lead into before Paul got his evil laugh going <laughs> was I, I wanted to ask you about the talk of the ASU on a conference because two things have been holding Greg back down here. It's a conference and it's a building, and the two are kind of go hand in hand. He's put the product on the ice uh, to compete with just about everybody in college hockey. But now the next question is with COVID and a lot of teams going, we're not going to schedule anything except our conference, and ASU is one of those teams – without a conference, what's your gut tell you about where ASU is going to eventually end up? I think what would make the most sense, and I really think a building is about the only thing holding it back, but I think the NCHC would be the logical landing place for ASU hockey. I mean, it seems to fit within the footprint in that you've got Colorado College and Denver kind of in your neighborhood. Now, I realize it's a long drive from Colorado Springs to Tempe. I've done it before. Um, <laughs> but, but, but again, you know, I, I always joke with people, this, this is my observation every year when I drive my father down to Arizona. I said, here's what people need to understand about the American West. There's a whole lot of it out there. You know, right. it's just the, the, the distances are not something people on the East Coast or even in the Midwest can fathom, but they are kind of in the neighborhood. I mean, I remember interviewing guys that were going to Colorado College that were from Southern California saying, I wanted to go someplace close to home. And I'm looking, it's like, that's about a 16-hour drive to L.A. from, from Colorado. But, again, it's, it's in the neighborhood. So I think it fits in the footprint, and I think it fits with 
the, you know, kind of the general style of the teams in that conference. You have a lot of schools where uh, hockey is a big deal, where, you know, people have made a real dedication to the sport. And that's one thing that's really impressed me with ASU is it's not really just, uh, you know, hey, we're going to play hockey just as something fun and different. I really think a, a commitment has been made to that. You know, there were all the questions early on that, you know, hey, Greg Powers has only coached at the club level. Is he going to be able to coach? Well, you know, took him to the NCAA tournament one year, was was headed back to the NCAA tournament this year. I don't think anybody's questioning Greg Powers anymore, not only his ability as a coach, but his ability to recruit. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, a, a couple of years ago, Greg and I talked about conferences and the feel that I got. And then Jerry York came out here uh, for a visit and, and he really put the drive on that they should go hockey east. And Greg was explaining to me why that would make sense. They would fly out there for two weeks and play back-to-back weekends and then come back and play teams out here. And, and everybody's going like, hockey east, that's not going to work. So that was floated around for a while. And then, of course, NCHC was saying, you got to have a building. Uh, we can't take you without a building. And then, of course, the entrance fee and all that. But it's interesting that you say that because Paul brought that up uh, about a week ago to me about the NCHC being a, a possible landing spot. But um, there's so many options, I guess, out there uh, to try to balance the conferences. Um, but that would be interesting. I, I don't know. I mean, I know ASU wants to play the best to be the best, but man, oh man, you see all those teams in the NCHC all the time. Are, are they ready for that? Jesse, did you hear that one? Yeah, I, I, you faded out for just a second, but you were talking oh. NCHC. And, and, yeah, I was and say, I was, are the Sun Devils ready to compete with the teams that you see in North Dakota and, you know, uh, Denver and Colorado College? I mean, I know they can, but is that something that uh, would be a good fit competitive-wise? Well, my one trip to Oceanside, they beat the living crap out of Colorado College <laughs> that night. Yeah, so, they did. <laughs> and, and, and not only beat them on the scoreboard, but, you know, the Tigers limped out of that rink pretty pretty well beat up. I mean, that was that was rough-and-tumble old-time hockey and, you know, I saw I, I saw the way uh, the Sun Devils played once they got a lead. Granted, you know, with, with the goalie you had at that time, if you got one goal, the game was over because uh, you know the, right. the Sun Devils were really, really on their game. Now, I wouldn't say that they would be a top half team in the NCHC immediately, and and you know it would maybe take a while to get to that point. But uh, but I absolutely think they'd be competitive on a, on a night in and night out basis. And all right, well, and let me say this too. Let me just yeah. say, add this. Having covered the Big Ten for a few years as a seven-team league, I'd take you as an affiliate member of the Big Ten right now because, <laughs> uh, you know, let's face it, you're, uh, uh, you're a Power Five conference school. Um, you know, you're a place that everybody likes going. I know, you know, my friends who cover Michigan State are raving about their trip to Tempe uh, two years ago. You know, I, I think the Sun Devils would absolutely not be a bad fit in the Big Ten right now either. Well, I have said that for the last couple of years. Um, I I don't get any feel for that to happen. But, uh, you know, people talk about the the various travel things. You know, Phoenix to Minneapolis or Phoenix to Detroit or uh, Phoenix to Chicago, it's it's not that hard a trip. You know, even if you want to talk something crazy like Hockey East, Phoenix to Boston, still not that hard. So um, with the NCH, can I make, a, su- two can I make a suggestion on that on that idea? Sure. 
Can, I'll, I'll make a suggestion on the Hockey East idea. Pay a call okay. to Notre Dame. And get some feedback from them. They were... No, 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 I get that. I, I just, I do get that. They were essentially an affiliate member of, of Hockey East, you know, and, and it didn't work out for them. And I don't know why, but I would talk to them, you know, just about their experiences. Listen, I totally understand that. And, and I'm not, I'm just going based on Scott's question and based on, you know, things that, that I look at and I can see from being far away uh, in terms of the travel itself. Um, you would definitely have a situation where it would be like, uh, can we play in Tempe in January, please? Um, you know, uh, we're going to, we're going to draw straws and see anybody that wants to go from hockey East to, in, to, to Tempe in January, we're going to put your name in a hat. Let's see. Do we pull out BU? Do we pull out Maine? Do we, yeah. So, um, and it's not quite like going to South Bend. I get it, but I'm just saying, okay? <laughs> now, personally, yeah. uh, I, to, to me, the Big Ten makes the most sense, but there have been zero, and you would know this better than I do, zero rumblings about that even being a possibility. Sure. Um, uh, obviously, the NCHC, from a, as you said, from a geographic standpoint, would make the most sense. You know, you'd have three teams in that league that were an hour and a half flight from each other. I don't even know if Colorado College flies to Denver. They probably bus. Oh, so, no, they absolutely bus there, yeah. Yeah, so you'll have to excuse my lack of Colorado geography. Um, <laughs> uh, so you're talking about at least two weekends for each of those teams where you're not making that long trip. And, you know, you could sit there and say, you know what, we'll play on a Thursday night and – Maybe we'll get an extra TV game out of it on the, the CBS Sports Network contract that they have. So uh, you can't tell me that that's not playing a part in some thoughts either. Absolutely. Well, we both we both know this, Jess, that uh, maroon and gold would be uh, another addition to uh, the championship maroon and gold that ASU is trying to get to. Uh, you yep. know what, what I'm talking about and what the big dog had on it. <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> how how many rings and how many uh, you, uh, Kobe you Bakers the, are there now, Jess? You mean the team that is still the defending national champion? Exactly. <laughs> That's the one I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, All right. Yeah. Paul, well, you got some? Well, I was going to say, I not for nothing, but and, and I joke around with Scott a lot about that. People don't realize just how hard that is. People just don't realize just how hard winning a back-to-back national championship uh, in hockey is because the puck takes so many fluky bounces. And to win one is hard. To win back-to-back, especially nowadays with, with the fact that the talent is much more spread out, is is really, really hard. Yeah, Absolutely. Let me, let me, okay, as, as long as I've got an audience in Arizona hockey, and I believe that for tonight, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to make a quick pitch, okay? All right. Um, my grandparents were, were snowbirds as well. They lived just outside of Tucson. So when I was a kid, where I started, going to, I, I started going to Tucson in the winter. Okay? <laughs> I don't know anything about it. What is that place? It does not exist. In, in, in 1990, I went to the National Club Hockey Championship game at Tucson Convention Center. Right. North Dakota State beat the Arizona Ice Cats 
Well, it wasn't a close game, <laughs> but there had to be 6,000 people in, in the TCC that night, okay? So here is my pitch. ASU will get into a conference much quicker if it has a traveling partner. So uh, <laughs> friend, friends down in Tucson with the red, white, and blue, hey, you've done a great job with basketball. We're still waiting for that first Rose Bowl in football, but let's get a hockey team together. You've got a rink in Tucson ready to go where you can play tomorrow. Let's see the red, white, and blue with the big A on it on a sweater for real playing Division One hockey. It's time. Well, Jess, let's just let's let's I'll, I'll let Scott answer most of that question, <laughs> okay? Because uh, and, and I know you're yeah. an ASU guy. I'm, I'm yes, like, I am. You know, um, offering profanities you know, right now. I, but, I, yeah. I get it. Um, and, and 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 I've told this to Scott because there were always rumors going, especially around that period of time, that that school that I do not acknowledge uh, <laughs> would make the jump to Division One because they were putting 6,000 people in that building. Yeah. And it never quite well, happened. Well, let me tell you what I know from the club side of it, guys. Um, Greg Powers has laid out a roadmap for every club team out here in the Desert Southwest how to get to the NCAA level. He'll tell you, you need money, you need school yep. backing, and you need a building. And while that TCC is a beautiful hockey building, the uh, city of Tucson is not the most um, entertaining, should I say? I mean, they've got an AHL team right now, but they can't even get into their own ice to practice until uh, October <laughs> for the very first time. So, and and U of A has to come to Phoenix to practice, and and before the first month of their season even gets underway. Um, because there's no ice there. So if you're looking for a travel partner, Jess, look up um, where I'm headed after the show tonight to Vegas because uh, they're building hockey arenas like nobody's business. There's going to be six new ice sheets in the last five years. And, That's fantastic. Uh, and UNLV, there's a 6,000-sheet uh, building going in that they started construction already. Two years from now, it'll be open for the AHL franchise of the Golden Knights. And UNLV would have a great opportunity to get in there. Um, I joke every week on Wednesday night show about club hockey because I say, I've never seen such an arms race in club hockey. U of A is competing. Grand Canyon is competing. ASU and UNLV are all competing to bring in the best players because Greg Powers has told them, you need a backer, you need school, but you need to win. He said, if you can't win the ACHA National Championship, you got no business making the jump. And they all now believe that wholeheartedly that they have to win at the ACHA D1 level before they can consider the NCAA move. Understood. Understood. Well, I mean, hey, it's an exciting time for hockey in the, in the desert. And, oh, absolutely and, uh, it is. One, one, one way or another, I tell people this story not too long ago. I want to say 12, 13 years ago, I went to, uh, what's it, Arizona Mills, the big mall in Tempe? Sure. Yeah, went, went there, cool sports shop there, you know, all kinds of Cardinals gear, all kinds of Suns gear. I said, where's your hockey stuff? Oh, back in the corner there. I go to the back corner of the store, and I, I am absolutely not kidding you. They had five hockey jerseys, and four of them were Sidney Crosby. They had one... <laughs> one Coyotes jersey for sale. So, and I know it's gotten better since then. So, you know, I, I think... 
you know, this this is a good time for Rocky in the desert, and 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 God bless it because yeah, we're we're making progress. But like well, I said, uh, we, we've got another beautiful facility up in Prescott Valley that used to have an ECHL team that now is looking for another hockey team because uh, the the Suns G League D League whatever you call it team uh, has moved out of there now with COVID and left them empty again. And it's, again, about a 6,000-seat building that, that used to host the Arizona Sundogs. And okay. uh, they are actively looking for a hockey team as well. So, yeah, you're right. It is growing. It's going crazy. Um, Paul tried to keep us about two hours. I told you we'd keep you about a half hour. <laughs> We've gone over both. <laughs> Melissa, because I still – first of all, I still have a couple questions. And, you know – Yeah, go ahead. So, I mean, I, I, I don't know, Jess, if you're in a hurry, that's different. But Oh, absolutely uh, not. Okay. But just first one, uh, a quick story, then the question. Uh, when I was a student, this was way, way, way back. I once said to somebody in the athletic department, be great if you guys had hockey. And I got laughed at. So <laughs> I'm just, you know, so anything is possible. But here's the, the more general question that I had for you. Um you probably are uh, in touch with the people over at College Hockey Inc. And, yes, absolutely. And they, with the NHL, have tried to, uh, I don't know what's the right word, do the investigatory work for schools trying to make the jump to Division One hockey. Uh, at one point, they were talking about five schools. Some of them were known, some of them were not. Uh, I think uh, Oakland University in Detroit was one of the ones that was known. You know, we've heard about Pittsburgh. We've heard about Syracuse once in a while. Uh, the Illinois. Yeah, around, around, getting, around Big I'm Ten circles. I'm, yeah. I'm getting to that. The, the two schools, and this is not a knock against those schools, uh, or maybe it is. I don't – well, not necessarily a knock against the schools, but the rumor mill. Uh, I'm uh, – done with the Illinois and Navy rumors. Let's go. Either you know what or get <laughs> off the pot and let's go. What's the story? What have you heard about places like that that, you know, once we get through this virus thing, uh, we'll, are looking to really get on track with, with where, what to do? It's funny you say that because <laughs> I want to say six, eight months ago, Yeah, I wrote somewhere. I may have tweeted it. I may have put it in a column. I can't remember. But I said to Illinois and to Navy, and I will say this in full disclosure, I said this to ASU as well, <laughs> stop showing me artist renderings. Oh, stop oh, stop oh, talking oh, about... Cody, no, 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 no. Let's stop talking about here. the beautiful no, facility no. you're going to build. Let's see oh, a shovel oh, in the ground. Oh, jeez. Oh, oh, so, well, listen, Jess, I... I <laughs> I'll let you finish and then we'll go back. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, you know, but but to your your main question, Navy has one that's been talked about for years. They have a facility on campus. They're ready to go. Illinois is a different story because they need to build a facility, and, and the school is not, not building what they have planned. It's going to be a private facility with about 5,500 seats. It's going to be in downtown Champaign, which I've never been to Champaign, Illinois, but apparently it's very <laughs> – it's very walkable from the campus. It would be, you know, close enough where students could get there pretty easily without having to get in a car or anything like that. Uh, and it sounds like Illinois is ready to go. Now, as a result of COVID, 
Illinois made a big announcement in about May that they were pushing everything back another year. You know, we, we keep hoping to see that press release saying, okay, this is real now. I mean, I've seen renderings of the arena. I've seen renderings of what their jerseys will look like. Obviously, they've got a conference to play in. It would be great for the Big Ten to have an eighth member. Um, you know, they would be part of the Big Ten network uh, TV package, all of that. It seems like it's, it's ready to go. And hockey in the last 10, 12 years in Illinois has seen such a resurgence as a result of the Blackhawks being good that, you know, that's the hot sport there right now. So you talk to the folks in the Illinois amateur hockey community, and they want to latch onto that. They, they really want this to happen. So I, I remain confident that Illinois will happen. Uh, but much like a few other schools, I'm, I'm sick of waiting. I, I want it to be real. <laughs> um, what about, and I just, you know, you see stories that, that uh, they're building a rink right by the University of Iowa uh, yep. You have a place like Nebraska uh, to, to stick with the Big Ten. Um, and I actually saw a video this this morning about how they transformed a building on campus at the University of Georgia to sit 2,500 people for their club team. Nice. Good for them. That's fantastic. So, um, are any of, and even if you can't tell us, uh, has anything cropped up about places that you wouldn't expect? No, I, and, and it's funny you mentioned Iowa because, you know, that's one where they just opened, I think it's about a 5,200-seat rink. It's where Iowa wrestling is going to play, but it's hockey ready. And again, right near campus, a, a member of the Big Ten, you've got a conference. Um, it, it's funny, Scott, that you mentioned – you know, the Mullet family and what they did for ASU or the Pagula family and what they did getting Penn State off the ground. Talking to my friends at College Hockey Inc., I said that's one, I guess, growing concern in college hockey is it's great to see these new programs. But if the only way a new program happens is if some alum writes a check for $50 million, there are only a certain number of schools that have that. You know, let's face it, there, there aren't a lot of uh, alumni out there willing to do that for a lot of places. So I think there needs to be a new model for how we get new sustainable college hockey programs. And that's, I guess, what's maybe encouraging about a Long Island University or like a St. Thomas where it was kind of more organic. And, and I hope we can see that in some new places as well. Yeah. Well, I think, I just, just, I think that's the deal with UNLV and why that looks to be so attractive. I mean, Five years ago when I was uh, in Las Vegas talking about a, a potential professional team, everybody said, oh, yeah, it's, it's highly unlikely, highly unlikely. Well, now we have the Golden Knights who obviously are, are peaking. Uh, we have an AHL franchise coming in. Um, and to tell you a little bit about that quickly is their new practice facility that they built in Henderson was not built with plans for an AHL team. It was built to be two rinks. Uh, very much like City National is uh, for youth hockey and the growth of hockey as part of their agreement with the NHL. Uh, they had to adapt to to put the facility in f the training facility for the AHL team. So that's how quickly that happened. That was in midstream of building the arenas. That's so, fantastic. So I think it, when you talk about UNLV, uh, they have an opportunity, and, and from what I'm told is there's two things with UNLV, and this and COVID might be a problem here, is that the football program at UNLV is moving into new Allegiant Stadium where the Raiders are going to play. 
So they were expecting a lot of dollars coming into their athletic program from football in that building. Um, that was also going to help, I think, uh, with with hockey. And the hockey was really trying hard and is trying hard to continue to push forward and try to become a force and uh, be a dominant force in ACHA D1 and then say, hey, we've outgrown ACHA hockey. We want to be NCAA. That's just my gut feeling. Interesting. Yeah. Well, I mean, it seems like an attractive place where people would want to play. You look at what the Golden Knights have done there and really ignited – not only hockey fever, but just kind of sports fever in Las Vegas to have a team of their own kind of for the first time now with the Raiders coming there. And by the way, the Golden Knights were blessed not only with the way they drafted, but the fact that you have far and away the most quotable guy in professional <laughs> hockey on that roster in former Golden Gopher Nate Schmidt. Uh, um, love him. You know, love him. Oh, just, just, uh, just a fantastic guy and never, ever at a loss for words. Uh, let's just put it that way. Uh, man, I miss covering Schmidt on a daily basis. What a fantastic guy. Oh, yeah. What a piece of work. He, uh, he's wonderful. Every time I get in the locker room, that's the first place I migrate to because there's always a great quote there. <laughs> But I, I always say if you can draw him out of his shell, you can really get to the <laughs> yeah, right. Well, when when we had Schmitty and Halla there, that was really a, a, a fun a fun time in the locker room. They spaced them out about uh, I don't know as far away as you could put them in a NHL locker room, but that never seemed. And then, and then they put Flurry in the middle, and that uh, that really just poked. And then Ryan Reeves and Marcia saw on the other side, so that yeah, we can and, go and on of for course hours now you know on on your Coyotes <laughs> roster too. You've got Aaron Ness, you've got Goligoski, yes. you've got Kessel, and, and there's one other gopher that I'm blanking on right now. But yeah, I think you've got four gophers on that roster right now. So, uh, hey, gopher central right there. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Is it? Okay. Oh, oh Hudson, Hudson Fashing, that's the other one. Yeah, and he's playing really well for the for the, uh, the Tucson Roadrunners. So, like I said, we can go on forever. Uh, i got to get in the car because I'm driving your way. I'm going to be in Minneapolis on, uh, in Lake Elmo on uh, Friday night. So with a quick pit stop in Vegas tomorrow for a couple of days. So, wow. Well, do wow. drive safe. And uh, yeah, yeah, you know, our, thanks our, for coming a, little, on. a little, a little travel tip, by the way, when you're heading okay. east, okay. there's a lot of Kansas out there. <laughs> Just a whole lot of Kansas. Um, listen, hey, Scott, uh, do, yeah. I, I, is Jess eligible to win the trivia question or does he just want to hang on and I'll give the trivia question just so he probably yeah. knows the answer. But Yeah, keep keep him on. Give the trivia question while we're on for hashtag pucks on the pod and your summer skates prize pack. Paul's got a question. Okay. Uh, Joey, Joey Decord was not the first Arizona-based college player to make it in the NHL. Who were the first two? Oh, boy. Arizona-based college players. Yeah. Does Dave Spina count? Because I know he was very <laughs> close, if not in the NHL at one point. Played at well, Boston let, College. Let me, rephrase, he... let, me, let me make sure I have this phrased correctly. Yep. Uh, college players. College players. Yep. Dave, Dave Spina played at Boston College. I believe he was from Boston Mesa? College is not in Arizona. Oh, Arizona-based college players. Oh, so we got to be going way back to like the NAU days, right? Ah, uh, I'm not saying a word. All right. Well, I, I, I don't, I do not know the the two Arizona-based college players. I will, you, you have stumped me. So, okay, folks, if you, uh, if, if you know the answer, go to our uh, Twitter account at IceTimeSW. Use the hashtag Pucks on the Pod, and our friends at Summer Skates will get you a beautiful prize pack. 
Okay, we ran long. So, uh, Jess, thanks so much for joining us. I mean, we got to have you on more often because uh, this hockey talk is wonderful. Um, thanks for agreeing with Paul on so many things, like shovels in the ground and all these other little terms. <laughs> oh, we, could, we, could, we could do an hour just on that, Jess. I promise you we could hey, do an hey, hour just on that. Downtown Phoenix, do it there. Do that, do that Tempe plan where you were going to have the Coyotes play there. I don't care what you do. Just get a building built. Come on. And, hey, I had a blast at Oceanside. It was fun. But uh, Listen, it's, it's the, the rumor is November. All right. And it's on I'll, campus, Jess, and it's right I'll, next to I'll, Sun Devil Stadium. I'll, I'll come down. I've got my own shovel. I'll bring it with me. Okay. Nice. I, I don't think I can have it as a carry-on. I'll probably have to check it. But Listen, I'm Scott's got the money. He'll buy you one. Uh... <laughs> All right, Jess. Thanks for joining us. Um, Paul and I will be back in just a minute to wrap things up tonight. Jess Myers from The Rink Live. Always a great guest, and uh, we appreciate his time. We'll be right back. Thanks, guys. I can't wait to get to Las Vegas and check out the fortress. Going to see the Golden Knights? No. Stopping at Jesse Ray's Barbecue for lunch. Oh, that fortress. That combination of brisket, hot links, fries, mac and cheese, surrounded by a fence of ribs? I'm in. Exactly. Jesse Ray's Barbecue. Located at 5611 South Valley View Boulevard, right behind the Mandalay Bay Hotel. Check out their pulled pork, smoked chicken, or the fall off the bone baby back ribs. Jesse Ray's Barbecue has been voted the best barbecue in Las Vegas two years running. So whether it's a midday meal or a pregame feast, head to Jesse Ray's Barbecue for all their award-winning tastes. All right, we're back. Scott Strandy in Scottsdale, Arizona. Paul Hornstein is still joining me from Long Island, New York. Paul, you steered us about 10 minutes over the show. Get on with your read, and then let's do that uh, trivia question one more time. Well, I will do the trivia question first, all right? Uh, which two uh, – Joey Decord played in the NHL, first Sun Devil to make it in the NHL, but there were two college-based Arizona players – that made the NHL before Joey Decord. Who were they? Okay. Do you want me to say that again? Is it? Am I making? Am I making any sense? Yeah, you're you're making sense, and uh, we'll put it out on Twitter so they'll get it handled. So right. take the read away, and uh, and uh, you can deal with the wrath of our uh, executive producer on this one. That wouldn't be the first time. <laughs> College Hockey Southwest Weekly has been brought to you by Bell Ford, the Arizona Ford Giant, voted the best Ford dealer in Arizona. By Arizona Business, presenting partner of the new season of Sunday Specials. Ask to see our friend Kevin Wood and tell him Ice Time Hockey SW sent you. Cold beers and cheeseburgers. Satisfy your inner foodie with our handcrafted made-to-order burgers and our long list of the best in craft beers. By Sprint, the brighter future for all. See Andre in Paradise Valley at Cactus and Tatum. Let him find you the right deal. By Jesse Ray's Barbecue in Las Vegas. Call us at one 702 541-5546 or go to jessieraysbarbecue.com and find out about how we can serve your catering needs. Jesse Ray's Barbecue, it's all about the butt. Buy summer skates, shower shoes, koozies, and more. Show your game in comfort and style. Visit summerskates.com. Win your summer skates prize pack with the hashtag pucks on the pod. Behind the Mask, getting ready to get back on the ice. Order online at behindthemask.com. Or come in and check out our refurbished stores. Buy College Bar and Grill in Tempe. 
by ASU fans for ASU fans. Oceanside Ice Arena, home of the Devil's Hockey Shop for all your ASU hockey merchandise. By Roger Klein's Cancion Tequila. For the best margaritas and more, go to MexicanMoonshine.com. Buy OxyPow. Visit our full line of natural cleaning products at OxyPow.com. Buy M-Drive. Go to M-Drive for men and use the promo code ICETIMESW at checkout for 20% off. M-Drive, the presenting partner of what drives you. M-Drive for energy, stamina, and recovery. Buy the Ice Den, Scottsdale, and Chandler. See our websites for ice availability. College Hockey Southwest Weekly and all of the Ice Time Hockey SW podcasts are live every week on the Podbean app and available for download at the iTunes Store, Podbean, the Google Play Store, Spotify, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. College Hockey Southwest Weekly is a part of the IcetimeHockeySW.com network. Well done, my friend. You won't be able to sleep a wink tonight because Jess has really stirred you up, I can tell. <laughs> Uh, let's put it this way. Uh, I wasn't kidding when I said we could do an hour on that last comment about buildings oh. itself. Oh, I, trust I, me. I just, you know. Trust me. I, I know. Trust me. I know. All right, folks. Thanks for tuning in with us. Thanks for staying late with us on College Hockey Southwest Weekly. Uh, we'll say goodnight with a little uh, Roger Klein and the Peacemakers. So for Scott Strand here in Scottsdale, Arizona, and my co-host out on Long Island, New York, Paul Hornstein. Good night, folks. See you next week. Have a good night.